trust in you. Lord, I trust in you. I believe you're my healer. I believe you are all I need. Yes, Lord, I believe
long has it been since you've seen some old-fashioned conviction and people in the sea of sin that will look to the lighthouse and run to it? See, that's what the lighthouse is, is when you're out in the dark water, the, the tur turbulent water, or whether it's even calm water, that beacon flashes so you can find your way home. Keep your eyes upon Jesus this morning because he's the beacon that will lead you home. I'll sing the calm sea with Jesus The disciples were getting concerned The wind started violently blowing But he was asleep in the stern Does he not care that we perish? Oh, i mm -hmm. 
church and a sixth row on the right hand side to an altar of prayer he came to me
It's a blessing to be here today, and I know God has been dealing with me over something all week, and I stopped my wife, she'd been sick all week, and I told her, I said, I need prayer, I said, I need help because I don't know what I'm doing, and I know she prays for me, she prayed for me this morning before I left, but I know God was dealing with me because when I got to last night and I was trying to put it together, I turned to our Sunday school book, and it was on the prodigal son and I know what God said to me last week and that's why I was wrestling with it so much and I'm going to tell you right off the bat what he said this is if this message is titled something I want you to listen to the words destruction bondage or restoration now I want you to understand something that's what God said to me I'm not judging anybody. I'm not trying to put any church down. I don't want to judge any other church. I don't want to judge any other Christian. You know what? I struggle every day to keep my heart and my life right with God and to keep my mind upon Him. And I'm not trying to uh, dig at you, but I am telling you that I believe God is doing a work today. I believe he's working today on his people. He's bringing Israel home. I don't know if you know it, but it's written all through the Bible. The prophetic word is saying that Israel is coming back. Now, you can say, and there's a part of me knows they've already came back. 1948, they came back. And I'll tell you one even bigger than that. World War II was fought because God wanted to bring Israel back to being a state. You think it's all about you. You think it's all about us. You think it's all about America. No, it's about what God's doing. You've got to understand God is bigger than anything we think. He's bigger than you. He's bigger than your husband. He's bigger than your wife. He's bigger than your plans. He is God. And he has a plan for our life. And we have to get ourselves aligned with him. 
So God works on us. God worked on Israel. How many knows when you read the Old Testament, you're going to find God not only chose Israel, but Israel began to turn away from God. They began to do what the other countries were doing, and they began to pick up bad habits and bad sins and false gods and do, let's do it our way. And that's about where America is at today. But can I tell you, God is so holy and pure that God will bring destruction even on his own people. And God will bring them into bondage, even his own people. And God will bring restoration because of his great grace and love. Now, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you come from. I don't know how you got saved. I don't know what it meant to you then, but I can tell you right now, if you don't keep a hold of it like you're supposed to, the enemy will rob you of what you're doing. He's trying his best for you to fail at being a Christian. And because why? you got children or you got somebody watching your life. And you know what? God is after every one of us to finish this race, to be faithful and true. Lord, show me, search me, David said, search me and see if there's any wicked way in me. How many of those God's working on us? God's working on every Christian, just like he worked on Israel. I want you to, if you will, turn your Bible to 2 Chronicles, the 6th chapter. I'm going to read a couple things Solomon had wrote, and I want you to hear it. It says in 2 Chronicles 6, 40, and when I'm saying this, I want you to understand something. Solomon has built the temple. How many knows that was Solomon's call? Was Solomon perfect? No. Was any of us perfect? No. But Solomon had a call to build the house, and he built the house of God, and he put everything he could into it. Now, he did some mistakes. He messed up, married a Pharaoh daughter. He married all kinds of different people to get materials to fill the house, thinking he did good. And you know what? God didn't. Uh, correct him on that other than the fact that God had already told him don't marry outside of your people God had already put that in there but Solomon was trying to do what he thought was best way to do it and it says in verse 40 of 2nd Corinthians 6 now my God this is Solomon let I beseech thee thine eyes be open and let thine ears be attent unto the prayer that is made in this place, Solomon was pouring his heart out before Israel to God. Because the temple was done, he's dedicating the temple. He, you know, David had it in his heart to build God a house. It's not right for the king to live in a palace and God to not have a, a house, a temple. So he wanted to build it. Well, he wasn't allowed to build it. Solomon got the job. And now verse 41, Now therefore arise, O Lord, Solomon is saying, into thy resting place, thou and the ark of thy strength. Let thy priest, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let the, thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn, listen to this, turn not away thy face of thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David, thy servant. Now, there's been a lot of questions about who is he talking about there? Who is thine anointed? Jesus is really the anointed one, but I want you to know something. I believe Solomon is talking about himself. 
because Solomon was anointed to be the king following David. And he turns right around and says, uh, remember the mercies of David, thy servant. And if you can read on down in chapter 7 about verse 17 to 19, and you'll find out that he's talking about himself. Because God addresses Solomon. But I want you to go to 2, Corinthians, or 2 Chronicles 7, the next chapter. And I want you to look at what God does. Now when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering of, and the sacrifice. Now listen to this. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. How many loves the glory of the Lord filling the house? Praise God. I pray he fills it to where my head drops to the ground when I come in the door. I want God's presence to be here. I praise God for the singers. I praise God more than anything for the heart singer because they're singing to please him. And he, well, he is welcomed when that happens. And it says, Consume the burnt on the second. Glory of the Lord filled the house. In verse 2, And the priest could not even enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, his mercy endures forever. How many, and how many knows it's beautiful when God answers? It's beautiful. Solomon had done all of that. But what good is it? What good is a church without the presence of God? What good is it if we fill it full of people and big programs and have everybody busy all the time if we do not want to live for God? We do not want to draw close to him. We do not want to serve him. Can I tell you something? He is in this relationship. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to talk to him. Quit making excuses. American Christian, quit making excuses. You can go to church anytime you want to, and you can go to the spiritual ones if you want to. You can look till you find them, and you can pray till God sends you to the right place. And I'm not condemning nobody or putting nobody down, but I want to tell you something. God knows what you want inside. God's already working on you. He's working on you just like he's working on the inside of Israel. It wasn't the outside. It was the inside. I mean, here's what I'm talking about. Now look, skip, skip on down to verse 11, 2 Corinthians, or 2 Chronicles 7, 11. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord in the king's house, and all that came into Solomon's heart to make in, make in the house of the Lord. And in his own house, he prosperously effected. What does that mean? That means he progressed in it. That means it worked out good. You ever do something other than see the blessing of God on it? It was going good. God had blessed Solomon for what he had built because he poured his heart into it. Okay, then verse 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, listen to what he's telling Solomon. If I shut up heaven, 
that there's no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among the people, if my people, which are called by my name. I mean, he sees how he led into that. You know what? God's saying, let it rain if it's got to rain. What's that song about rain? Bring the rain, Lord. If that's what corrects me, Lord, bring the rain. If that's what corrects this church, bring the rain. If that's what corrects America, bring the rain, God. We need a revival in this land. We need the restoration of God. But can I tell you something? Israel never believed they would go into bondage. They never believed their city would be destroyed. Jerusalem would be destroyed, 587 B.C., that they would be destroyed. They never believed it. But it happened. They always, they still feel today like, oh no, we're God's people. We don't have to do nothing. We're automatically in the door. And God's trying his best to reach them. And he blessed the church. And can I tell you something? God's dealing with the church the same as he dealt with Israel. You can act like, you know what? We go to church. We believe in Jesus. We're okay. Put your name on the door. Put your money in the pot. And you know what? It's, everything's okay. And I'll tell you, that is not what God's looking for. God's looking for that relationship and that love inside of your heart that cries out to God. God, I need you. The enemy's trying to destroy my children and my grandchildren. I need you, Lord. Amen. What about my cousins that I haven't seen them in church or that I know they don't go to church nowhere? Oh, God, break these walls. Oh, God, bring us whatever rain it takes to bring you, bring you glory and to bring your peace on the lives of those that are lost. He goes, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin, I'll heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open. Listen to me. Listen to what God said. My eyes will be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. And my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually, which means forever also. After, ever, after. How many knows God wants to live eternally with us? forever don't do good deeds and then sit and do nothing that's not the relationship God he can do all things without you he's using you to make you a part of his kingdom it ain't about me it ain't about the singers it ain't about this church building wasn't about my father wasn't about brother Vaughn wasn't about Asbury Tabernacle it wasn't about nothing but what God was trying to do were the people that came in the door and I praise God somebody was obedient somebody followed out what God was trying to say in their heart and they lived it many many times I would come in as a young man to Asbury Tavern and I would watch all the elder men go down them little old rickety stairs to the basement and I'm going to tell you something. You ever follow them down there, you felt the presence of God when they prayed. They did that before every service. Sunday morning, Sunday night. They were wanting God to move. 
they were wanting God's presence to be with them. I want you now to turn to Jeremiah 25. I'm trying to get through this quicker because I'm trying to get to something. Jeremiah, the 25th chapter. I want you to look at verse 8. Jeremiah 25, 8 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words. How many knows? When God speaks, now he just told them, I'm attentively waiting to hear what you're going to pray in this place. How many of you knows what I just said? He is waiting on God's people to humble themselves before him, cry out to him, turn from their wicked ways, become a child of the king. Live for him. Set, get rid of yourself and let him be in your heart. He must increase and I must decrease. Every one of us. He's doing a work. But it says here, Jeremiah is speaking something. He says, therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts, because you have not heard my words. He's talking to Israel. Behold, I will sin and take all the families of the north, saith the Lord, and Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, will, and will bring them against the, this land and against the inhabitants thereof and against all these nations round about and will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment. That means an amazement. You know what? It would be an amazement if we went into bondage in America. You think that's impossible? Are you trusting those in the White House? Oh, you think they're going to stop it? As long as they get what they want, they ain't worried about you and me. And I'm sorry, but God wants us to turn this nation back to crying out to him. He'll stop what they're doing. But only as this nation begins to turn. Because why? Who are we any better than not go into bondage? If God is dealing with the church the same as he's dealt with Israel all them years, what makes you think he won't bring us into bondage? Because, see, we don't even want God in our schools. The kids ain't allowed to talk about him. You just line yourself up, get yourself uh, together, and do what they tell you. Hey, I know you don't want to hear it, and I don't want to tell it. But it's on the news every day. I get so sick and tired of hearing about it. And you know what I know? God's holding their hands back. How long will God hold his hands back? He held his hand back while Isaiah, Jeremiah, and them preached to the people and reminded them to repent. But did they repent? No, Carl. They went right on into the bondage that God brought them to, and he, he told them, he prophesied that they would do that. It says... And will utterly destroy them and make them an astonishment, a hissing. You ever hear of somebody hiss at you? I had somebody hiss at me at a funeral one day. Yeah. You wouldn't believe it, but they did. And as soon as they made that hissing noise and I turned and looked that way, I thought something was wrong. I thought somebody was going, Psst, you know. I turned to him and he shook his head at me. He turned his face. Didn't like what I said. He didn't want me talking about eternity. He didn't want me talking about salvation. I ain't, I ain't condemning him. I ain't holding no grudge. 
can I tell you, when I was lost, I was lost. And they're lost, and they need, they need somebody to tell them about Jesus. Whether they like it or not, they need to be told. My children need to be told. My grandchildren need to be told. I hope somebody's got the guts to tell them the truth. You can't make them live right. Nobody can make me live right. I know what God spoke to my heart, and I know what he did. He goes on to say, a hissing, which is a noise of disapproval, perpetual desolation, which is a long age ruin. Verse 10, moreover, I will take from them the voice of mirth. How many knows America's lost its voice of mirth? You know what the voice of mirth is? It's cheerfulness. We ain't got no joy no more. I mean, here's what I'm saying. I can't go to the store that I don't get dirty looks. I can't go to a restaurant that I don't get frustrated or they get frustrated at me. They make you sit and wait when there's tables all over the place. I know. Go home and eat. I do a lot. But can I tell you something? Something happens to America's joy. Some happen to America's prosperity. Some happen to America's tender hearts and their compassion for other people. And it says here, moreover, I will take from them, take from Israel, the voice of mirth, the cheerfulness, and the, and the voice of gladness. That's that happy and joy that they had. And the voice of the bridegroom and the voice of the bride. I like that because you know why? He's talking about the joy of marrying and the joy of, of the wife that's going to be adorned. Somebody loves her so much, he's going to dress her up and marry her. And the man's got a wife that loves him, and she's going to be the best little wife. And she, If you guys are newly married, listen to this. You're going to be the best little wife you should be? Can I tell you, you know what? Our nation was doing religious right things. We were doing, we were living a Christian life. This nation God brought it forth to bring the gospel forth, and we lived a Christian life. Now, I'm not picking at nobody. You can't make somebody stay with you. You can't make somebody. I'm not trying to pick at anybody's problem. But I'm going to tell you something, other. When you find the love of your life, sign your name to them. Hand your money. <laughs> I told one of my grandkids, don't tell me you're not going to sign your name to one of the some girl, I said, I'll tell you right now, when I married Shirley, I signed everything away. And I love her to this day. And she ain't too good with money. <laughs> but I know the difference of what God gave me. See, God gave me somebody to love me and to help me. And though she may fail many times, and though I may fail, we're there to help each other walk this walk. Amen. And I praise God for what God has done in her. And I'm striving to make it, but sign your name. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Sell out completely. You got to do that with Christ. Sell out completely. Give him your all. He says, voice of the bride and voice of the bridegroom. Then it says, and the sound of the millstone. That means of the grinding of mill. See, we don't even have people working anymore. People want to sit home and give me a check. They don't want to work. 
they don't want to prosper the right way. They want God to just give me. I'm entitled to this. And I'm not telling you, don't take what God's given our country. To, I'm not picking at nobody. But I can tell you right now, watch what the enemy's trying to do to your mind and your heart. He'll change you to doing nothing but setting back as a spoiled child and won't work for nothing. Uh-oh. That ain't what I'm preaching. Then he says, and the light of the candle, which is a lamplight. He's taking the light out of America. Christians don't have no light, Bobby. All they want to know is, how do I get around stuff? They're going to make me take a shot. They're going to make me uh, go do this and go do that. And you know what I say? Do what you got to do. Do what you got to do. But for me and my house, we're going to serve God. And I ain't worried about what they say. And I'm not going to listen to what they say. And all they can do is lock me up, and then they have to feed me three meals a day. And it says, And these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. How many knows Jeremiah just prophesied that they're going into bondage for 70 years? That the king of Babylon is going to take over and rule them. What if they told you tomorrow on the news, China's going to take over America? And you will be under their thumb. Whatever they say, you will do. Now, some of you might sit home and say, well, I, I, love, I love buying all that stuff from China because it's cheaper. Let me tell you something. When somebody takes over the land that God's giving, did you know the Goshen was a good place for Israel to go? God gave them Goshen to go to, but that wasn't home. God did not want to leave them there, and he doesn't want to leave us in a place where not, we're not right. We are set free by him. We ought to live free. I'm not talking America. I'm talking about Christians. And I said all of that because I want you to understand something. Bondage was coming. Bondage and destruction is coming. Now turn to Ezekiel, the 37th chapter thought about getting Shiloh to sing this song. It's about the bones, the dry bones. But that's what God put on my heart. And it says in Ezekiel 37, I'm not going to read the first part because most all of you know the story. God spoke to, to uh, Ezekiel. He took him in the spirit and set him in the middle of a valley right in the midst of it. And he showed him all of these dead bones laying everywhere, dried up dead bones. Then God asked Ezekiel a question. Can these bones live? God ever changed things for you or do you still believe that, oh, no, that'll never happen. God can't do it. That's too big for God. Let me tell you something what Ezekiel did. Ezekiel went into bondage with the rest of them. This time right here is right around 587 B.C. So the, the destruction has already came. And here Ezekiel is talking to God. And what is God saying? I want to restore Israel. What's he saying? I want to restore. How, what, was the, what was the father of the prodigal son doing? He was praying, oh God, bring him home. Did he want to bring him home and condemn him? No. He wanted to put in a robe back on him. 
He wanted to put the ring on his finger, the shoes on his feet, kill the fatted calf. My son was dead and now he's alive. He's come home. How many knows that's what God wants America to do? That's what God wants Israel to do. It says, verse 7, I want to go down to verse 7. So I prophesied, like God told him, as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. How many knows God ain't confused because the bones are scattered all over? You think the computer's smart? I'm telling you, God knows exactly whose bone belonged to who. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, the, above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, now listen to this prophecy because it's a little strange. I want you to hear it because I got my own opinion on it, and I'm going to give you my opinion. You can look at it and think, oh, I may he's out in left field. Some of you that's Bible read and it's smart in the Bible, I, I can't help but just what I see. But it says here in verse 9, Then said he unto me, Prophesy to the wind, prophesy, son of man, talking to Ezekiel, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as, I was com as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Why do I think that's different? I'll tell you what I see. When I see that God used the four winds, how many knows that's nature? When you look at the natural storms coming by, the winds go, watch the news every day, watch the weather every day. There's another storm coming across, another rain, another snow, another something's moving. And you know what it takes? It takes longer when it's done by nature. Uh-oh. Do you know God, uh, God could have rescued the prodigal son? He could have brought him right home. The father was obviously praying for him when he left, Bobby, that something would change inside him. But how many knows God sometimes leads you to a place and makes you wait? Because he's trying to get something in your heart. I mean, here's what I'm saying. See, I believe God's working, was working here on Israel. He said, I could restore you now, but I'm not going to. I want the winds to blow. I want them things to change in your life. I want you to get real good and frustrated because I haven't answered your prayer just the way you want it. Uh-oh, Christian. You think God wants to answer your prayer just the way you want it done? Sometimes God says, you have got to learn something before I answer that prayer. you got to see something before I answer that prayer. And you know what? I'd love to just told my kids, you know, when they got 25 years old, oh, you just come up here and, and God will give you all the information. You can do it all and you can do it all right. No, they had to learn it themselves. They had to come to the place where they were ready to say, God, I need you. I need your salvation. I know I'm lost and I need you. I mean, here's what I'm saying. So God will allow you 
to sometimes just wander a little bit in the wilderness or sometimes he'll put you in a place and he won't move. He don't move on jobs, Timmy. Sometimes he don't move on jobs right away. DJ, sometimes he just makes you sit there. You might not like who you're working with. You might not like this or that. You're praying, oh, God, give me a better job. Give me somebody that acts a little bit decent and respectful. And you know what? God says, no, you sit right there. I want you to see what you need to see. See, I believe God's moving in these winds because as the things change in America, they call it global warming. I don't call it global warming. I see God working on things. And God knows exactly what he's leading us to. I like snow. I told you before, I like snow before Christmas, but I didn't get what I wanted. Instead, we got 60-something degree weather. We might as well went to Florida with Betty and her. <laughs> but the truth is, God knows exactly what he's doing. Amen. He brings the rain in the right time. And I praise him for the rain. I got started getting sick last night. I told my wife, I said, I'm feeling like I've got my head running down and I'm going to get sick. I'm going to get what you had. And, and she said, won't you just call and tell somebody else? I said, no. God's already spoke to me. I got to go and do this. So I'm sorry. Maybe just the enemy. Enemy sometimes will tell you to sit down and shut up. You don't want to be heard. Now, nobody wants to hear what you got to say. You talk too long anyway. You read too many scriptures. You know what? God's trying to say something today. He is doing not only the destructions coming upon America and the bondages coming upon America, but he's trying his best to restore it. How many hears that? He's trying his best to restore your family. He's trying to restore your children. He's trying to restore your cousins. He's working on them. Stay who you are. Hold that light up. Hold your banner high of love for all of them. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't you know they need you? Don't you know eternity's right around the corner? God's trying to do a mighty work. Israel may get a second chance. Israel will be brought to, uh, to the land like they were in 1948, but he'll also bring a place where Jesus Christ will came, come and reign and rule at the end time. And it's written in there. So it's going to happen. But he's working on us today because we have this light inside of us if we'll, only, if we'll only seek him for what he wants to do in us. Then said he unto the prophesy of the wind. So I prophesied and he, as he commanded me, and the breath came in and they lived. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Because see, back then, Israel was split. Ephraim was the northern kingdom of Israel, and Judah was the southern kingdom. And they had split up. Just like churches, they didn't like each other. You ain't doing it the way we want to do it, we're going to have our own place. We're going to do our own thing. But he says, the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, our hope is lost, and we are cut off for our parts. 
Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I owe my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out, up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves and shall put my spirit in you and you shall live. I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. How many knows? God knows what he's doing. If you ever looked at a picture in the Old Testament of a resurrection day, that's it. You can read it for yourself. You can read about the dry bones. But when he gets to the end and he begins to talk about the... But can I tell you something? I believe this message, just like a lot of times God is there, he's not just dealing physically with America. He's dealing spiritually with America. He's trying to raise us up spiritually. He's not trying to bring us back to who we were. He doesn't need our blessings of everything goes my way. I want the nicest car. I want the nicest house. I want the money in the bank. I want the best job. I want my kids to have the best college. I want everything to happen for me. And I'll call it blessed by God. Not condemning you. God help me. I'm not condemning you. I'm proud of my kids when they go to school. I'm proud of them when they finish what they're doing. But you got to hear God's working spiritually on them. He's not just working on our little children. He's working on you and me. He's working on all of us. Okay, I'm getting late. Jeremiah 29.10. Jeremiah 29.10 says, For thus saith the Lord, that after 70, 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken to you. And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all nations and from the place whither I have driven you. How many knows God drove them there? You see that? God drove them there. You can blame it on Babylon. You can blame it on King Nebuchadnezzar. You can blame it on all these wicked people. Can I tell you, God chose to do what he did. And God's not toying with us. He's going to bring about the destruction or he's going to bring about the bondage or he's going to bring a restored people. What are we trying to do? Are we looking for a revival? Are we looking to be restored? Or are we waiting for the bondage? Or are we waiting for the destruction? Because I promise you those people in those other lands that want this land, they don't care about you. They'll erase you in a minute. They got their own idea of what to make this land. They think they can get the blessing by just taking over. We know that God gave us our blessing. But he's also the one we lean on, the one we call upon. He's attentive to the ears today. He has his ears open to you and I. 
He's waiting for you to cry out, Oh God, help me to be what I need to be for you. Help me to live my life an example that I should be. Don't let me fall away. Don't let me destroy myself, my children, my grandchildren, and all those that you have placed in my life. I will bring you again to the place whence I caused thee to be carried away captive. I read that and I thought to myself when it when he read when he said this, it's basically talking about Israel coming back. But can I tell you something? The very Babylon that is written here, the very judgment that God is going to bring. Do you know God raised up Babylon to come and take over? Because Israel was being wicked. Israel had turned from God. But can I tell you, God will judge Babylon also. And what is Babylon? What is Babylon today? We were talking about the other day, Gog and Magog. You find it in scriptures. I think it's in the 38 and 39 chapter of Ezekiel, and it's also in Revelation. But what's he talking about? He's talking about a people. He's talking about the nations that have joined to do the same thing. All they want is prosperity. All they want is all they can get. They don't care about God. They don't want God in the middle of it. They, and you know what? If you read this 18th chapter of Revelation, and I read this last night. I read the first four verses. It says, after, this, after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven having great power, and the earth was enlightened with his glory. That's a special angel. That ain't a normal angel. The Bible says here that the earth was lightened with his glory. And it says the possibility that that angel that had great power and great light could have been Michael, could have been Gabriel. I'm guessing. It doesn't say who they were. But it says, and he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Now listen to the next verse. And I heard another voice saying, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins and that you receive not her plagues. How many of those? I'm talking at the end of the Bible. I'm talking in Revelation. I'm talking about, you say to yourself, well, that's probably talking about those end time uh, of the Great Tribulation. Yes and no. If you read all of that, you'll find out he's talking about that these nations have joined and took and committed adultery with this belief system, this Babylonian belief system. They've taken on this wickedness. They have turned this nation to where you can't go out for Halloween, you can't enjoy Christmas, you can't enjoy anything. You can't talk about a, a godly nation in there. You have to stretch it to go to godly. 
because they have turned it all over to materialism. Yeah. They don't want you to love God, trust God. They don't want you to live and believe God. But can I tell you, by faith, we walk by faith, we live by faith. If we don't trust God, what are we trusting in? Are we waiting for DeWine to fix it? Are you waiting for Biden or, or Trump to come back? You know what? They got stories after stories after stories for three years, and I'm getting sick and tired of hearing the stories. Somebody ain't got no power to do anything because the enemy has moved in every area, and you're naive to believe that it's not true. And you can't, I can't convince you. You'll have to be looking at it yourself of what the change is in America. See, I can go to a national park. Vicki, we go out to the national park, and I can tell something's not the same. There's no innocence. There's no purity. There's no nothing. You go out to the Teton Mountains, and right at the base of it is nothing but a big party. It's bars, and everybody gathers every night to have a big party. It reminded me of Moses being up on the hill. They went to partying. You go to Yellowstone, Old Faithful Inn. Me and Shirley stayed all night, three days there. First time we'd ever done that, a few years back. Got up about midnight, 11 o'clock. We was going to walk out into the, where the fireplace is, and we was going to go out and see the geyser go off. There was drunks everywhere. They had turned and opened the bars, and the drunks were everywhere. And I thought to myself, they can't leave nothing alone. The enemy's trying to destroy everything. You think I'm not telling you the truth. You try it. I love what God has given me. It's just me. And I love to see it. But when I see the wickedness, and I see the people away from God, it's a fearful thing. Come on back up. God is trying to restore America just like that prodigal father welcoming his son when he came home. He knew his son messed up. He knew his son was wrong. He didn't pass the judgment stick on him. He ran to him, heard every word he said, but the son never got the expected words he expected when he got there. No, the father says, bring the robe, bring the shoes, bring the ring, put them on him. Oh, how much God loves us. How much he loves Israel. How much he loves America. How much he loves Christians. Let me tell you something. I don't care how bored you get. You can get bored to death. I get bored watching television. I'm getting bad with my brother Mark. I can click so fast, and then and when I get done, I can say, there ain't nothing on. And sometimes I'll think, I used to tell my brother Mark, you click so fast, I can't see if there's nothing on or not. But he was like that. He always was. He's got a sharp brain. He just click, 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 nothing on. But can I tell you something? That's what our world's doing. Isaiah warned him. He warned Israel, return to the Lord. 
Isaiah 55, 6 said, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his ways and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. And he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I don't know where you can go that you can get abundant pardon. Do you? Only him. Only he knows where you've been, what you did. Yet he holds his hand out and says, Come, come while I am near. I will abundantly pardon you. Praise God. That's the God we serve. He ain't changed. He don't need to change. We're the ones that need to change. God forgive us. Forgive this nation. I preached about Elijah a couple weeks ago, and Elijah's heart was broke. Thought he was the only one left proclaiming God's word. Everybody returned. You know what? There's a lot of people that knows God's the answer. We're letting these things around us Keep us from trusting God. Keep us from praying. I don't know when God's going to save my children, my grandchildren. I don't know when God's going to move on them. Do you? I don't know. But I believe he's going to move. I put my faith in him. He's the only one that can do it. Nobody else can do it. Until they turn their eyes from this world open their spiritual eyes that takes something bigger than you and me mom and dad you can't do that only God can he can turn it back and show you where you need to be you don't have to fill some kind of great ministry shoes all you got to do is live for him one day at a time love him Put all that you have that he has given you, put it back in his arms. Say, Lord, I trust him into you. I believe. I don't know about you, but the conditions for destruction are out there for bondage is out there. The restoration is God's love and grace that he opens a door and he says, I'm attentively listening. Are you hearing him? Are you speaking to him? Do you need to repent? See, I need to repent sometimes. I need to go down and get on my knees and I need to tell God, sorry. God, I ain't been all I should be. I'm not done all I should do. Help me, Lord, to take the next step. I'll probably finish this life not completing everything that I could have did, but I want him to have grace and mercy and give me strength to walk every day that he gives me. And when he sees my time is done, please remove me, Lord. 
just want to go home. Praise God. I don't know who's listening to this, but it's a time of restoring. It's an opportunity to be restored. We can wait. If you keep trusting an American, waiting for them to fix it, I promise you it's not going to happen. They're not going to fix it. Only God can fix it. Everybody stand up. walking this Christian life you can tally up and put notches on your belt of all the things you think you've accomplished but can I tell you something it's staying close to him he knows what our tomorrow is and he may have to bring rain he may have to bring things our way that we may not like that's the relationship you have with God. You have to trust Him. You have to believe Him. You have to open up your heart and talk to Him. Young or old, it's always going to be the same. He's listening today if you come to Him. Some 
Sweet. 